0: friends and introverts welcome back to the you're so quiet podcast or welcome if you're joining us for the very first time as always i am your host chelsea brown this week we are getting into part two of the ultimatum deep dive last week we left off just before the changeover ceremony and we're gonna get into what happens when these couples get back together and who ends up with who it was a crazy season it was my favorite season of all time If you have not watched The Ultimatum Queer Love, you need to watch it immediately. It is on Netflix, all episodes are available. And just so you know, this episode is going to be full of spoilers. So if you haven't watched it yet and you want it to be a surprise, go watch it and then come back so we can discuss. But first we are of course going to do our customary mental health check. You're going to rate your mental health from one to five, one being horrible, five being amazing. I am currently sitting probably around a three today. I'm like really tired. I had a race this morning. It is 107 degrees in Texas right now where I am. And being outside and racing is not... Not really recommended for the health, you know. It, uh, it might have been a poor life choice. I did have fun and my times are becoming more competitive, which is amazing. I'm very excited. And we tested like new suspension and new technology. And I mean, it was a good time. However, I am exhausted. Like big time exhausted. Might go to bed at 7 p.m. Exhausted. In other news, I also recently started an antidepressant. Not for the reason that you think okay so like kind of for the reason you think so you know i've had my vertigo thing and i went to the neurologist and they said you might have vestibular migraines and we treat it with an antidepressant and honestly genuinely at this point if you told me look we can get rid of your vertigo but you have to sacrifice 12 chickens at the full moon like with your bare hands i would do it right now i would go buy 12 chickens wait till the full moon and sacrifice every single one of those Have some little chicken tendies you know i i will literally try anything at this point so the onboarding of the antidepressant has been challenging and i actually think i'm going to talk about it more in detail next week because i have a lot to say about it actually and i have genuinely a newfound respect for those who have been taking this medication for a long time or are considering it or used to take it in the past like I am always an advocate of whatever works for you. Do that. But like this is hard right now. So I'm hoping that in the future it becomes a little easier on my body. But for right now, it it be not great. (laughs) It it is not great. So that's pretty much all that's going on with me right now. Just planning some trips. I'm going to be gone a lot in July. So I'm trying to figure out how I can do that with my work schedule and with the podcast, but I'll make it happen. It'll be fine. Worst case scenario, I'll just be toting all of my recording equipment all the way across the country and it'll be what it'll be. It'll be fine. Don't forget that this is also your time to check in with yourself. Ask yourself how you're really doing. Are you really doing okay? Are you pretending to do okay? No matter how you're feeling, it's honestly fine. We get caught up in this idea that we have to be okay all the time and we don't we have a variety of emotions and that's like a beautiful thing sometimes. So food for thought, food for thought. Just check in with yourself. Typically, while I'm having you check in with yourself, I give the recommendations for the week. This week, I don't have any recommendations for you because this episode series, part one and two of The Ultimatum Queer Love, is essentially one big giant recommendation. So I'm not going to give you more content to watch because honestly, this is already, it's already a lot. Like it has taken two episodes for me (laughs) to tell you all that I need to tell you about the ultimatum. So without further ado, let's jump into this. So when we left off, it was right before the changeover ceremony. The changeover ceremony is when the new pairs split back into the old pairs. So they split back into the couples that they arrived to the experience with. Okay, and similar to how I did last week, I'm going to go couple by couple and talk to you about how each dynamic seems to have changed after having spent three weeks with somebody else. But first, I want to say something about the changeover ceremony. It was like the weirdest dynamic because every single person seemed to take the opportunity to be like super passive aggressive toward their previous partner. Like you theoretically came here to work on yourself and work on your potential marriage, and you're being publicly passive aggressive toward your partner that you supposedly want to marry. Like I don't I don't understand the logic. The logic is not logicking, okay? And that being said, seeing what you're saying to your partner, all passive aggressive like, like maybe you have a lot of resentment toward this person and you have two options. You can either get over it, right? You can move past it. You can talk to them, get it all out and literally move past it. Or you can just not be with that person. We, we all get caught up in this idea that oh, I've been in this relationship for so long and I don't want to start over again. And I have made that mistake in the past. I was with someone for literally years longer than I should have been because I was like, oh, I've been in this relationship for so long. I can't leave the relationship now. And if I, if I would have left the relationship when I first had that thought, I would have not wasted an additional two years of my life. And honestly, my life would have taken on a completely different trajectory. Like, I, I probably would have done a little bit better in school to, to start off with because I wasn't distracted by some nonsense. I actually might have gone to a different college. So the entire trajectory of my life could have been different. However, that being said, I'm very happy with how my life turned out. I don't have any regrets. But if I could tell younger me, like, you don't have to waste your time with this person, I would tell myself that. Would past me listen? Definitely not, but I would still say it. Anywho, let's get into these couples. Let's first talk about Lexi and Ray. If you recall from last week, Ray actually had sex with the person that she was paired up with for the three weeks away from her partner. The person she had sex with, her name is Vanessa. Lexi already didn't like Vanessa, so it was already this really weird dynamic. So immediately after the ceremony, they go back to their apartment that they share for the next three weeks. And there's a lot of tension. They both seem really agitated with each other. And Lexi's like, I'm not sure that I'm comfortable with us sleeping in the same bed. And Ray's like, don't even worry about it. I was already planning to sleep on the couch. And we're not starting off the three weeks in... In a positive direction okay so this is how the next three weeks are gonna go and the rest of our life like okay nice so later because you know that i don't have the ac- exact dates of when these things happen i wish i did so that i could literally plot it out like a book but anyway they go on a date that is apparently just an on location fight okay <laughs> it is them just talking about all the qualms that they have in their relationship. Lexi says she feels like a guest in the relationship, like she only has a drawer at Ray's apartment, like they never really blended their lives together. Ray says she feels unheard in the relationship and is generally unsure of herself. And when she's talking about this, like my heart really does go out to her because she says, who am I? Do I deserve to be loved? And I've been there. Like that pulls at the heartstrings for me because I have been there 100%, but I didn't have the courage, I guess, to even verbalize those questions that I'm already asking myself in my head. And something about getting that out of your body is so freeing, I feel like, and I'm kind of a little bit jealous that she has that courage and I didn't. But she she's like, Who am I? Do I deserve to be loved? And I can see that Lexi is like feeling for her as well. But Lexi clearly still has some issues with the fact that Ray slept with someone else because she's worried or I guess questioning whether or not Ray would have cheated on her. If they had not done the experience and Ray is like oh my gosh like there's never been any indication that that would happen it was this experience I didn't even want to come here you came here you know how hard this was for me so like I said it was pretty much just an on location fight they went to the beach to have a fight so then later Lexi and Ray go to dinner with Lexi's parents and as you can imagine this is possibly the most uncomfortable dinner of all time because Lexi and her parents are a little bit kind of ganging up on Ray. I understand Ray made a mistake. I get it. And I do not condone cheating or stepping out on your on your partner. I get I get that it's not a great situation. However, I just feel like bringing your parents into an already sticky situation is really just bringing in people that you know are going to be on your side and who are going to gang up on the person that you're mad at. But the thing is, is that when you forgive your partner for cheating on you or whatever it is that they did wrong, your parents are not going to forget about that, you know? So that to me, like that's not something that, that should be brought to the parents, in my opinion, in my opinion anyway. But at this point, it's revealed that Ray actually promised that she wasn't going to sleep with anyone and we did not know this earlier so Ray was insisting to Lexi I won't I won't sleep with anyone I won't have sex like you don't have to worry about it and then she does it anyway even though Lexi didn't ask for that reassurance and honestly didn't offer that to her herself so the trust is kind of broken twofold which makes me further understand why Lexi is so upset. Not only did Ray sleep with someone else, not only did Ray sleep with Vanessa, who she already doesn't like, Ray slept with Vanessa, who she already doesn't like, after saying, I'm not gonna sleep with anyone. So I I understand why she's upset, but I don't know, it just seems like it's getting a little bit muddled. You know, it seems like she's like, it's not that she slept with someone, but it's that she slept with Vanessa. And then you still bring up that Ray insisted she wasn't going to sleep with someone. So, it is the fact that she did sleep with someone. I don't know. It just started to get a little bit confusing, and it might just be because Lexi herself is confused about how she feels, which is understandable. So, as the three weeks go on, they seem to fall back together. You know, they fall back into being comfortable and joking and playful with each other, And it seems like Lexi is forgiving Ray, and Ray is also forgiving herself. And then there is a cocktail party in which all of the couples meet up. If you know anything about cocktail parties with this show, there is always, always drama. So Lexi gets mad at Ray for not completely snubbing Vanessa at the cocktail party. And Ray, honestly, I don't think did anything wrong. I think she might have hugged her because Vanessa came up to her. It's like, hey, how are you? And then completely avoided her. So much so that Vanessa's like, hey, are you avoiding me? And Ray's like, I don't know, maybe. And then walks away. So to me, I feel like Ray was fine. But Lexi is clearly still feeling very insecure about the whole thing. Which means that they got into a big fight about how... Ray should have literally not spoken to Vanessa at all. So later on, they have like a debrief about how they argue. And they both agree that they're arguing their sides versus trying to understand. And this is something in a relationship that can be so, so difficult to master. Because for me, I'm like convinced that I'm right. right? I haven't done anything wrong. I'm the one that's that whose feelings have been hurt. Like you were the bad person here. And that's not always the case. Like, I think it takes a lot of maturity and self-awareness to be aware of the fact that, you know what, I also play a role in how my fights go and how my relationships go. And if my feelings get hurt, you know, it's not always just you hurt me black and white. It can be a little bit gray, but that does take some maturity to realize that. So I, I really liked seeing that kind of mature conversation between the two of them because it seemed like Lexi's relationship with Mal was a little bit more mature than the one that she has with Ray. And it could just be that two different people bring out two different things in you, but it was good to see that side of their relationship as well. So before the choosing, when they, when they decide if they're gonna get married or not, Lexi is in an interview and she's like, I am worried that I could be leaving without Ray, but I need for Ray to choose me. I, I can't be the one just constantly choosing her. And that's where I'm gonna leave you with those. So you're gonna have to wait until closer to the end of the episode to see what happens with them. I was honestly really rooting for them, even though Ray did step out and it was just kind of a really sticky, uncomfortable situation. I was actually really rooting for them. I liked them both. I think that they could be a really strong couple if they communicate properly. Okay, so let's move on to Vanessa and Xander. As you know, Vanessa is the one that slept with Ray and Xander is the one that slept with Yoli and actually told Yoli that she's in love with her. So it's like two different people that are in into other people. It, it's a very interesting dynamic. So immediately after the changeover ceremony, Xander confronts Vanessa about something that she says. Vanessa during the ceremony had said, oh, suddenly I now want kids, I want marriage, I want the whole thing. If you recall from last week, Vanessa was violently opposed to marriage and to even stability in a relationship. So Xander's like, dude, what the heck? Like, this is not you and I'm not sure I believe you. And Vanessa's like, I don't know what to tell you. I've just realized that this is what I want. And like your your feelings and your opinions and your desires can absolutely change, but to go from one polar extreme to the other in such a short period of time seems pretty unlikely to me. Anyway, so they, as they're kind of debriefing, I guess, after the changeover ceremony and filling each other in on what happened when they were apart, Vanessa asks Xander about the sex that they had with Yoli. And Xander is not giving specifics. Even though Vanessa does ask, she's like, like with mouths, like what what kind of sex did you guys have? And Xander's like, I'm not telling you that. And I kind of see both sides. Like from Xander's perspective, you obviously want to protect the privacy of the other person that you're involved with. But from Vanessa's side, like I would also want specifics. Like I need to know, like have a detailed timeline of what exactly happened, because if not, my imagination is going to create a whole other scenario and then I'm gonna make myself insecure. But In this instance, I do have to acknowledge that the part that wants the specifics is really insecure and Xander is doing the right thing. So, they're still talking and Xander is like, "Uh, I don't know if I really love Yoli, which is a bold-faced lie, okay? Because two or three days ago, you were just sitting on on the carpet with Yoli telling each other how much you loved each other and... Xander specifically said that she's known for a while that she loved Yoli. So I'm like, uh, why are we lying? Like, just be honest. Just be honest. I always see this in like TV shows and I'm like, oh, it's so unrealistic when people lie so often, but then you watch a reality show and you're like, oh, (laughs) okay. People just lie all the time. Amazing. So Xander, boldface lie. Vanessa seems to be like super clingy with Xander more so than ever before and it comes across like she just doesn't want Xander to be with anyone else and this is just a really insecure kind of behavior and behavior that I'm sure a lot of us are guilty of sometimes you know it's not it's not gonna foster a good relationship so later on you know I don't know the timeline it is revealed that Xander and Yoli are still talking like texting sending things on Instagram But Xander didn't talk to Vanessa, the partner that they came with, at all during the trial marriage. So the time that Xander and Yoli were together, Xander did not speak to Vanessa not one time. But Xander and Yoli are in near constant communication, it sounds like. They're also exchanging, like, sexy selfies, sexy photos, kind of messages with a lot of innuendo. It's a little sketch. And during this conversation... It really seems like Xander is checked out of the relationship and the relationship with Vanessa, not with Yoli. And Vanessa's like, I love you. Say it back. And the best that Xander can do is say me too. So already, in my opinion, that's like the nails in the coffin are going in right now because Xander's just not in it. And I think that's fine. You don't have to be in it. But don't lie about it. There's no reason to make Vanessa think that, oh, we're gonna get married, we're gonna have kids, we're gonna do this whole thing. Like you can just tell the truth and maybe you stay in different apartments for the next three weeks, I don't know. So Vanessa is grappling with the fact that she now wants to be with Xander more than ever before, but it doesn't seem like she's there for pure reasons. It seems like she only wants to be with Xander so that she's not alone. So Vanessa plans this whole date on a hot air balloon and they're up in the sky. It's like very romantic. Surprisingly, no wind up there, which was shocking to me. I thought their hair would be all over the place. It was not. No wind in the sky. Anyway, (laughs) random detail. But while they're up there, they agree to commit to only each other. And this carries on to like discussing the future and what is is life going to look like for us and i'm like what how is this possible because xander i know you're lying i know you're not telling the truth but you're you're leading this girl on for no reason there's no reason to do this and i i mean from a people pleaser like me i i mean i wouldn't want to upset someone that i had been with for x number of years of course not but if i'm just checked out like how does it benefit me to lead you on for weeks like in in such a public setting as well it's not like only you and I know what I said obviously anyone who has a Netflix subscription can see what I said to you during this time and see that it was false so I just don't I don't see what Xander is really getting out of this besides kind of avoiding the confrontation so you know the cocktail party everything was a little bit sketchy but I'll get into that when I talk about Mal and Yoli, okay? It was a little bit sketch with Xander and Yoli talking, but after that, Xander and Vanessa are intimate and Xander's like, I wanna make the most of our next few days together. And like, especially after the cocktail party, it is obvious that Xander wants to leave with Yoli. Could not possibly be more obvious. And it kind of feels like, I don't know, it just feels a little bit gross to me because you're like, I want to make the most of of our last days together is what it sounds like. Not what she says, but that's what it sounds like. And I just, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not into that at all. That's a little bit gross. Okay, so let's get into Malignoli. So, Mal was coupled with Lexi, they did not do anything physical, but they clearly had a mental and emotional connection. Yoli and Xander fell in love, had sex, etc. So, this starts off real bad immediately after the changeover ceremony. So, they get back to the apartment and Yoli is crying almost immediately. And Mal is like, are you okay? Yoli says she's mourning the relationship that she had with Xander. And she says she fell in love and goes on about how simple and easy it was and that they had sex. And Mal is just like, you can see she's trying to take in the information, not react negatively, like try to be supportive to your partner. But how supportive can you really be when your partner that you love is telling you that they love someone else and want to be with someone else and had sex with someone else? Like there's, there's no good way to feel about that, you know? But Yoli is confronted with the reality of potentially loving more than one person because she says she loves Mal still as well. I don't know, like this whole storyline kind of feels like a commercial for polyamory, which like, if you're into that, that's great. Like go forth and do it. But everyone in the, the relationship, the polyamorous relationship needs to be aware and consenting and okay with this relationship. Like you can't just, have multiple partners if one of your partners is not cool with that like that's not that's not okay so this dynamic does not get any any smoother yoli later talks about how she feels like mal is not a good teammate because she feels like mal does not contribute to things like the household chores so yoli constantly feels like she's taking care of her and taking care of the relationship and the house and it can be super draining in a relationship and a partnership But in my opinion, like, you knew this before. You knew this before you came to the ultimatum. If this was a deal breaker, why didn't she just break up? Like, did you think that Mal was all of a sudden going to become really into housekeeping after coming on a TV show? Like, I don't, I don't understand. It feels like more of an afterthought to justify the fact that she loves someone else and is going to leave Mal for this person. I, I don't know. It just felt really kind of tacked on at the end, you know? So Mal is clearly still in this relationship. If you recall previously, Mal and Lexi were on the last night. Lexi really wanted to be intimate, but Mal was like, no, I'm good. And Mal is clearly still invested in Yoli and they're struggling to really rekindle the romance. Yoli says that they feel like roommates, Later, though, it seems like they're being playful and physical together, but I can't tell if it's, like, actually flowing or if they're forcing it. Okay, so the cocktail party. And this is where it gets weird for this relationship in particular, but honestly, everyone's relationship kind of implodes a little bit. Vanessa had messaged Mao to tell her that Yoli and Xander were talking still. I don't understand why, why she did that. Like, that's not your relationship. That's not your business. It feels like you're specifically trying to torch the relationship between Yoli and Xander with Mal caught in the crossfires. So Mal is like, all right, let's talk about it. All of us. So Yoli and Xander are put on the spot about sending selfies and sexy messages to each other. And they're like, oh, I don't remember. What? What do you mean? And then now they suddenly remember, oh yeah, 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 I remember that. It wasn't anything. Um, okay. And then everyone is avoiding Vanessa. Yoli and Xander go off and talk one-on-one, which is upsetting to Mal because Yoli's like, I need to go talk to Xander about this thing. It's just us, blah, blah, blah. And Mal is like clearly uncomfortable, but she's trying to be supportive. And I applaud her for being supportive, but like sometimes... I feel like it's important to be like, dude, like, this is not okay that you're, you're still doing this. So when Yoli and Xander are talking, they're, like, holding hands. They're really close to each other. It's, it's like a very obviously intimate conversation. And in the conversation, Yoli seems to want Xander to say that she wants her. But Yoli doesn't want to leave Mal. She wants both. Like, she wants to have her cake and eat it too. And it was just... It, it was just real awkward. So after their really long intimate conversation, Mal puts Xander and Yoli on the spot again and asks Xander if she chooses Yoli the same way that she chooses Yoli. It was kind of a, a weird question, but a question with only one answer. And the answer is no. Xander says no because I can't choose her the same way you do because we don't have the same history. And this is not what Yoli wanted to hear obviously. So Mal and Yoli back at their apartment in private, they get into it because Mal feels like Yoli is choosing Xander after three weeks in spite of the history with Mal. And Mal is like actively at her breaking point. She leaves the apartment. She loses her cool in a way that she hasn't before. And she's sitting in the hallway saying, I'm done. Obviously, she's not done, but she's just really frustrated and honestly, understandably so. If I'm invested in this relationship, I want you to also be invested in this relationship. So, then it gets a little bit weirder because Mal and Yoli go to meet up with one of their friends and they, like, unload the whole story. Like, Yoli's like, I fell in love with someone else, but I still love Mal. And it's, like, this whole weird thing. And Mal is starting to get irritated because Yoli keeps accusing her of not being ready for kids or unsure of how Mal would be as a parent. And... Mal is like, when have I ever given you the impression that I would not be a good parent? I'm literally a godparent to four different people. I don't understand. I would be a great parent. And then it comes out that Yoli saw Xander's bank accounts and that gave her the assurance that she needed that Xander could afford IVF. And that really did not sit well with me. I understand the desire for children. I don't want children, but I understand the desire. Like, you want to have kids, like this is something that's burning inside you that you really want. I get that. But it seems kind of messed up to be like, I've built this history and this relationship with this person, but they're not rich enough for me right now, so I'm going to go to this other rich person over here so that I can have IVF and have a child. It comes down to the idea that like marriage seems to be diluted in value lately or these days or whatever because people are very concerned with getting married and having kids and whatever and giving ultimatums. If you find yourself in a situation where you want to give an ultimatum like if you don't marry me then I'm out. I think it's time to evaluate whether or not you want the person or you want the marriage or you want the wedding. Like, if you want the big party or whatever, just have a big party, you know? Marriage is not the be-all, end-all of every relationship. I asked my husband to marry me. If he had said no, I wouldn't have left him. My ego would have been bruised, obviously, hurt my feelings. But it wouldn't have been like, okay, well, I don't want to be with you anymore because you don't want marriage. I, I think marriage is important. I think it's like a legally binding, significant act. But it's not, again, it's not the be all end all of a relationship. And so, I don't know, if Yoli wants to do IVF or have kids, Like I don't know that jumping into a new relationship is the answer. Or maybe you just need to explore other options that you can undertake on your own. I don't know. Even after all of this, Mal... the girl called Yoli's parents to ask for permission to propose I couldn't believe it genuinely could not believe it because there's all the evidence is here that this relationship is on its last legs you know like this is the beginning of the end or honestly the middle of the end the end is approaching quickly it's just not going to work out between us And Mal is, it's, she seems like hell bent on proposing to this person who has revealed herself as someone, as honestly, exactly who she feared she was. In the last episode, we talked about how Mal was afraid that she wasn't special to Yoli because Yoli seems to fall hard and fast for everyone that she's with. And she was worried that like, this is just, I just happened to be here and that's why she loves me this way. And, I mean, it kind of feels like that's true. So, let's jump to our next couple, okay? Don't worry. (laughs) It's just as dramatic. We're going to talk about Tiff and Mildred. So, after the cocktail party, they literally just jump into bed together. They have a very clear physical connection, but I'm not sure that they have the emotional connection required. They go out to dinner with Tiff's friend. They talk about how They break up and get back together all the time, and upwards of 50 times, they tell the friend that we went to couples therapy and our therapist gave up on us. I'm just like, your therapist gave up on you? Like, dang, that's, that's intense. Mildred says she does have a timeline, and it sounds like she wants to be married, but not married to Tiff. Their communication is solidly horrible solidly horrible. It, um, it's been bad from the beginning, to be quite honest with you. They've had a lot of fights and disagreements, but it's just, like, they can't get out of this toxic cycle, you know? So, later, they're talking to each other, and they try to open up this dialogue to discuss their communication issues. Tiff is like, hey, Mildred, I feel like you interrupt me a lot. And Mildred is like, okay, so when do I have permission to speak? Girl, (laughs) you're not here to solve any problems with that kind of question and what I hate what I really hate about when someone asks a question like that like I just asked a question like no you you asked a question with the very clear motive of starting a fight and I I'm just not here for that. I'm trying to convey to you how I feel, and if you don't want to listen, then I can stop wasting my time because I'm not going to say when you have permission to speak. It was weird. It and then from there, obviously, it just goes off the rails. Mildred says that she's Latina, so that's just how she communicates. And honestly, I'm on the fence about this statement because I understand that culture really impacts how we communicate, how we live, who we are, right? But Tiff's point is you can't use your culture as an excuse for not respecting me and giving me respect. So I kind of see both sides, to be honest, but I don't know who's right in this situation. I really don't. Part of me is inclined to say that Mildred is in the wrong because Tiff is trying to communicate, hey, I feel like you interrupt me a lot and I don't like that. And culturally, I'm sure we all grow up with with things that we did at home that were okay but when you get with a partner it's not okay and so you you can change your behavior changing your behavior is not it's not a bad thing right it's not changing who you are I can change how I speak to someone I can change how like the tone of voice that I use and that's not changing who I am fundamentally as a person so This conversation culminates in Tiff leaving the situation because she literally cannot get a word in edgewise. Later, they try again to discuss. Tiff does her best to acknowledge that Mildred has abandonment issues and she tries to leave before she's left. Can relate to this 100%. But this makes it difficult for Tiff to want to commit to her because every time they have a fight, Mildred is like, taking marriage off the table taking engagement off the table like I don't even want that anymore every time they have a fight so Tiff feels very insecure in the relationship because like am I are we one day going to have a fight that's so big that you're not going to come back to me like I don't I don't understand Mildred then tries to acknowledge that Tiff is stuck around despite everything that has been thrown at her and that she doesn't give Tiff enough credit Mildred also says that she doesn't want to be afraid of commitment anymore, but it's now or never. When you put but in a statement, it really negates the first part. For example, I'd love to go out tonight, but I can't. The first part of the statement doesn't really matter. The fact that you said I can't is the part that matters. So for Mildred, it's like now or never is the part that matters not her confronting her fear of commitment. In spite of this, they discuss what having a life and a family together would look like. Mildred's son is 16 and special needs, so that's obviously consideration that they need to make together. And so they're talking about marriage and Tiff is like, yeah, like I see this life with you and I'm really considering marriage with you and I I think I'm excited about that and they start talking about mildred's past relationships mildred had been married before and in mildred's past relationship she says that she was never in love with her ex-wife but married her anyway this obviously instills doubt in tiff and seems like a red flag mildred once again tries to take marriage off the table saying tiff you're not the one because they start having this fight but i'm with tiff on this one if you're pushing for marriage so hard with me. But you got married to someone before that you didn't love. You openly admit that you didn't love them. The marriage didn't even work out. It was, like, described as a business transaction, which was kind of weird. Like, why would I be different? And I don't want to marry someone that I don't have that emotional connection and security with. Everyone pretty much is off the rails, okay? (laughs) So, we'll end with a couple that is still off the rails, but trying to get back on the rails, and that is Sam and Ossie. Their reunion at the changeover ceremony was the smoothest of anyone, honestly. They're laughing and talking about what they learned, and then later they reconnect physically in their apartment together. Later, Sam opens the conversation to Aussie, asking if they're on the track to get married. Throughout this process, Sam has really learned a lot about expressing herself, which is honestly amazing to see i'm someone that really struggles with that so seeing someone open up about her emotions and communicate them so concisely and clearly is it's really honestly astounding and aussie to her credit the person who consistently and constantly walks away from confrontation is still sitting having the conversation with sam But when Sam mentions Mildred at all, it seems to flip a switch in Aussie. And Aussie then gets upset and is like, I need time, I need space, and walks away. However, this is still an improvement from their previous behavior. Previously, she would be very upset and then just walk away versus, hey, I need time and I need space. I'm going to go. So Aussie rejoins the conversation later and talks about how They need to feel more masculine and they want to be the breadwinner because of that. They feel like masculinity is equal to providing for the family or their partner. And I do feel like this is definitely valid. But the way Aussie said this is like, I feel emasculated that you make more money. And I don't understand what the solution to that is. I would definitely not ask Sam to make less money. You know what I mean? Like, that doesn't seem like a viable solution. So I'm not sure what Aussie really wanted to get out of that statement. Later on, they meet up with Aussie's brother, and they talk a lot about the difference in how Aussie and Sam grew up. Aussie grew up in a largely critical environment, and Sam seems to have grown up in a supportive environment. And that's evident in their, like, attachment styles and how they fight. And it's also revealed to us that Aussie is not out with her family. And this can definitely create some tension in the relationship because the person who is out might start to feel like like a secret or just uncomfortable in general because I have to kind of hide who I am to you around your family. As the 3 weeks carry on, they go out again with another friend and Sam and Aussie get into an argument in which Aussie calls Sam's feelings bullshit sam discusses with her friend that this new version of her quote unquote is someone who's going to speak up for herself aussie leaves the conversation all previous progress on confrontation forgotten and goes and sits in the parking lot aussie clearly feels dismissed and when the friend comes out to check on aussie Aussie says things like, I clearly didn't even mean to make you feel bad. Why can't you accept my truth? Like, this is my truth. It's not just that I hurt your feelings. And this felt like a really big childhood trauma wound. Because watching Aussie have this, it almost seemed like a breakdown of sorts. Feeling like she's not seen and not heard and like her emotions are not valid. Like, that definitely seemed like childhood trauma that has not been dealt with at all so she breaks down she says she's just trying to be perfect the perfect friend the perfect girlfriend the perfect child and ironically when you try to be the perfect whatever you end up falling short you know it like you're trying so hard to be perfect that it just does not work out I know this from experience unfortunately I am very much a perfectionist and it has not served me. It has not served my emotional health at all. So, Aussie feels like she's failing at being a perfect person. It's understandable, perfect person doesn't exist. And she decides to simply leave the restaurant. Like, she gets in a van and leaves. Sam goes out looking for Aussie and Aussie's already gone. If I were Sam, I would have been much more upset than Sam was. They didn't really show any type of reaction from Sam. And to me, I would have been like, what the heck? Like, there is no possible way that you literally left me here at this restaurant. I would have been so mad. But Sam, I think, is more evolved than me in this way. So later, Sam and Aussie talk about how Ossie was feeling and about her childhood, and she feels like fights are a trigger for her because they throw her back to that space. Sam's like... I feel like I'm bending over backwards to create a safe space for you. Sam is like, how can we change that? Aussie snaps and asks why Sam is asking such a dumb question. Sam is like, why are you speaking to me like this? This is not okay. And true to form, Aussie puts on her shoes, grabs a backpack, walks out the door In an interview, Aussie admits that she knows that she will lose Sam if she keeps acting the way that she does. After some cooling down, she comes back and she apologizes to Sam. Aussie later admits that she needs to be able to hear her partner's needs. And in order to do that, she needs to love and accept herself. She is also sharing that she is terrified for Sam to meet her family. This is a lot to unpack. Because having watched Sam's patience, Sam is honestly an angel on earth because I I am an empathetic person by nature, but I do have limits. you know, And if I'm trying to talk to you and you call my feelings stupid, or you say, I'm asking a stupid question, when it's literally just a question to gain clarity, I think I would be out of that situation, but having been through childhood trauma myself, I know that I kind of was that person that was always snapping at people, that was calling their feelings stupid, that was yelling at people for no reason. I've been that person and it's not a beautiful place to be. It sucks. And what's worse is that you can see yourself doing all of these things. You can see yourself pushing people away And it's like, you can't even stop yourself. You can't stop yourself from pushing people away. And it's scary, honestly, it really is. So in my opinion, the best thing for Aussie to do is to seek therapy, genuinely, to talk about all this childhood trauma and understand these triggers and understand herself better. Because I think once you understand yourself better and you understand like, oh, I feel this way because this happened to me as a kid, that takes a lot of the power out of the emotion and therefore it doesn't control you. So, I think the best thing that Aussie could do for herself, let alone the relationship, would be therapy. So, after that emotional roller coaster of reunions, we're going to talk about the final choices. We're finally going to get to who chooses who. I'll start off with honestly, the one that shocked me the most. And that is that Mal and Yoli get engaged. Mal proposed. It felt extremely cringe. Yoli was dead freaking silent. And then she's like, what took you so long? Like in a rom-com kind of way. But it was weird. They're hugging and then they sit down and... Yoli immediately starts the conversation of, so why are you ready for this now? Mal proposed four seconds ago, and you're already casting doubt on this proposal and this engagement and this potential marriage. What What the actual heck? So she's like, why are you ready for this now? Is it because I wanted someone else? And Yoli is like, I, I didn't know until just this second who I was going to choose, that's not what I want to hear when I just propose to someone. I don't want it to be like, like a buzzer beater kind of situation. I want you to already know that you want me. And Mal is just sitting there patiently explaining everything. And I'm like, are y'all excited about this at all because they're talking about how much work it'll be and it'll be hard but it'll be blah 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 like this will be a beautiful life and do you believe that like genuinely do you believe that because i'm not seeing one single iota of excitement from either of you i uh i'll also give you some little tidbits from the reunion just tidbits though because the reunion is something that you have to go see for yourself uh, at the reunion, Mal and Yoli are, like, extremely broken up. And by extremely broken up, I mean, it seems like they borderline hate each other. I, I am surprised that they were in the same room. I don't know how long the engagement lasted. I would guess max three months. But they clearly realized something during the ultimatum, like, this is not going to work. And honestly... To me, the proposal and the, so why are you ready for this now conversation immediately after the proposal, like you couldn't wait a good 24 hours for us to enjoy it. You couldn't be happy for 24 hours. You had to create this problem. So the writing was on the wall already. Are you surprised? I I wasn't surprised. I was more surprised by the fact that they got engaged at all. The next couple that gets engaged is Mildred and Tiff what the heck what the heck uh of everyone these two were in my opinion in a very toxic relationship the the breaking up and getting back together the constant fighting the horrible communication like you guys separately might not be bad people but together you're just not good like it's just not a good situation for anyone but they get engaged and while I'm watching it, I'm dumbfounded. Like, why is this happening? At the reunion, uh, they're not together, okay? Tiff and Mildred get into a verbal altercation. This is something that you have to go see, okay? Um, Tiff leaves the building, straight up gets up from the couch, leaves the building. The only person to go after Tiff to make sure she's okay is Sam. I think this is kind of nice, in, in a way, because Tiff and Sam were together for the little switch-up thing, and although they didn't develop, like, a physical kind of romantic relationship, they clearly built a strong friendship, and I think that's really nice, but I'm just kind of sad that it turned out the way that it did, because they, they just weren't a match, and they ju- weren't going to be a match with a ring on someone's finger. The next couple that gets engaged is Lexi and Ray. These two, I already told you, I was actually rooting for. They proposed to each other. They gave each other engagement rings. But Ray goes first. And obviously, this is important because Lexi needed Ray to choose her. And I felt like Lexi felt chosen. At the reunion, they're still together, which was really nice. But there's always the but. But there was a note at the end of the show, saying that they ended up parting ways after the reunion. Part of me thinks that the reunion itself might have caused the breakup because it seems like a little too, I don't know, coincidental, you know? Is it because Ray spoke to Vanessa while they were at the reunion? I don't know. I don't know. It was a little bit suspicious to me that they broke up right after. I don't know could be nothing to it, could be just a coincidence, but it seems sus to me. The next couple that gets engaged is Sam and Aussie. Aussie proposed to Sam and they did it in such a way that I wasn't sure what was happening. So first, they literally gave Sam a rock in the shape of a heart and Sam is like, okay, this is cool, thank you. But the way they were leading up to this literal stone that she gives Sam sounded like she was gonna pull out a ring, and I was like, okay, awkward. That's okay. But then eventually saves the day, pulls out a ring, and then she's like, "Would you have been mad if I just gave you the stone?" And Sam's like, Haha, "No," but I mean, kind of, kind of, with the whole speech and everything about love and etc kind of kind of upset i honestly based on especially aussie's trauma and the tension that seemed to be in their relationship i i just feel like aussie just wasn't really ready for that kind of commitment but they're still together at the reunion and there was no note afterwards about them i don't know if they're currently together i haven't stalked their social media but they're still together although sam has still not met aussie's family I wonder if that will eventually cause tension in their relationship or if Sam is like, you know, I get it. And I feel like Sam might be more like the latter. Like, you know what? I get it. It's hard to come out to your family. Your family is very conservative and strict and I understand why you don't want to do that. So I'm interested to see what happens with them. And so our final couple, because you know I've gone through eight people already, our final couple, Xander and Vanessa, are the only ones to break up. They both basically say, look, it's been real, but this isn't going to work. They part ways. What is the most wild part about this is that Yoli finds Xander after Mal's proposal. After she has already accepted a proposal from Mal, she goes to find Xander, who she's already in love with, and is talking about, I love you, I don't know what to do. Girl, are you kidding me? The disrespect for Mal right now. I don't know if Mal didn't know this beforehand or if she found out and that's why they broke it off. I don't know. However, at the reunion, it does not seem like Xander and Yoli are actually together, but they did meet up a few times. I mean, look, Yoli and Mal were clearly not meant to be. You know, like the fact that you guys could fall apart like that, just not meant to be but the disrespect to me of, yes, I'll marry you, hold on while I go meet up with the other girl I'm in love with, is just genuinely mind-boggling. I cannot comprehend what thoughts were going through the head at that point. Were there any thoughts? I don't know. It, this season, this whole season, was absolutely wild. You had love. You had sex. You had breakups. You had tears you had fights, you had childhood trauma, like you name it, this season had it. This was genuinely by far the best season of The Ultimatum ever. And this is further evidence that anything queer is just better. I'm sorry, I don't make the rules. Anything queer is amazing. Okay, so that wraps up our deep dive into The Ultimatum Queer Love. I hope that you enjoyed the ride. And if you haven't already, I would genuinely watch the show. I watched it twice. I watched it once for fun and then once for you all. I mean, it was shocking both times, even though like I already knew what was going to happen. There were things that I had forgotten that people said. It was bananas. It was absolutely bananas. So I highly recommend it. I love (laughs) Netflix reality shows, exploitative though they may be, they're still very enjoyable. If you like what you hear on the show and you want to hear more, you know the drill. You got to rate, you got to review, you got to subscribe to the podcast. Anywhere you listen to podcasts is great, good, acceptable, fine, all of the above. You can also follow the podcast Instagram at Your So Quiet Pod, Y O U R E, So Quiet Pod. And I will talk to you all next week. Okay, love you. Bye. <laughs>